Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Outros. This is Arun Sudhaman in Hong Kong, joined from Singapore, as always, by a man who has a smile back on his face. Darren Burns. How are you, Darren? I'm great. When do I never not have a smile on my face? That's a good question. I don't see you all the time, so I don't really know. But um, I thought perhaps, like Delhi Captain Shreyas Ayer, you may have been upset by your favoured IPL team losing four matches in a row. Mm. Uh, before returning to winning ways yesterday and booking. As expected. Their semi-final berth. As expected. We will discuss... Also joining us from somewhere in Hong Kong, Toby Doman. How are you, Toby? I'm very well. Nice to see you both again. It's been a, been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I'm, I, I, I will apologise. It's been really crazily busy. It's been months. Yes, it's been more than a month, I think. A lot has happened. The whole IPL has happened. Yeah. The last show we did, we previewed the IPL, in which we, I think largely, as usual, wrote off the Delhi Capitals uh, wrote off Royal Challengers Bangalore and said CSK were going to win again. You said that. I said RCB yeah, and I Delhi did. would be in the final. You did. But you say that every year. And, um, <laughs> I said it <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it was, I, I don't think the odds would have supported you, Darren. But the truth is that Delhi Capitals and RCB have both qualified for the semifinals. I think you'd have to say both of those somewhat surprising. But let's start there. Darren, uh, what, to what do you attribute um, the success of both of those teams, both of whom have underperformed for several years, really, uh, in the IPL? I think you know, maybe it's being away from home as well. Nobody really has a home ground, so everyone's turning up differently. I mean, I, I think definitely, as I did mention on the Delhi Capital side, in the last year, they Rabada got injured and went home. They've had him basically the whole season, and he's been a trump card. I think Shreyas is a much better leader than he was over the last few years. He's kind of maturing. That's great. And, and you know, ably coached by punter Ponting, you know, they really stood up to the plate in that game last night when they had to. Uh, after losing four in a row, they, they won the, the last pool game to sort of go through to the uh, final two. So, full credit to Delhi Daredevils, well, Delhi Capitals. Delhi Capitals. The batting has been solid. I'll tell you who's done well for them. Mitchell, sorry, not Mitchell, Marcus Stoinis. Stoin. Marcus. He's done really well, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, if you look at that... He's bat- had a good, good tournament. If you look at that batting lineup with, you know, Shikha Darwan, uh, Shimron Hetmeyer, I mean, Shreyas Ayer. Shreyas Ayer, Rishabh Pant, Prithvi Shaw hasn't had a great tournament, but the other Shimron Hetmeyer, actually he hasn't. He hasn't really sparked yet, has he? But... It's Shikadawa and Shreyas Aya have really been the two key guys, along with Prithvi Shaw, Rishabh Pant, and Marcus Stoinis. And of course, last night you had the experience Rahane returning to the side uh, and getting them over the line. So I think who else? The other guy who's really impressed me a lot is Anrek Motia, the uh, South African speedster. He's been regularly bowling up of 155, 156, and he's very accurate. He's been a great find for them. So they've, had a, they've got a pretty good all-round side. Yeah, the bowling has really stepped up. Nortier and Rabada, of course. Ashwin um, has had a very good tournament. He hasn't taken a lot of wickets, but he's, he's, he's been steady. And Aksar Patel continues yeah. um, to just be, you know, his economy rate is 627 which is, is, you know, from 40 overs, it's tremendous stuff. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, he's always there or thereabouts every season, I think, Akshar Patel. So he is, yeah. He's, he he's really solid. is one of the best IPL 
IPL bowlers. Meanwhile, over in Bangalore, RCB are through, uh, although they're not at the top. Are they there in... What position are they in? I can't... Like are the they third? third? The yes, third. they're third. So, so they're gar- are they guaranteed yes, third? They no, are. they could drop to fourth. No, they, they're, no they're I think guaranteed. They, take, they can be overtaken. No, they're guaranteed. I thought Sunrisers could overtake them if they beat Yeah, so Mumbai Sunrisers Indians. beat Mumbai Indians tonight our time, then Sunrisers will go through and KKR will drop out. So they'll finish in fourth place or third place. But either way, uh, those three teams, so Delhi Capitals... And Sunrisers will play RCB in the Eliminator. Yes, correct. That's right, yeah. So Mumbai plays Delhi for a place in the final. Sunrisers, or whoever wins, sorry, Sunrisers or KKR will play Bangalore in the Eliminator... Whoever wins that match then plays whoever loses Mumbai, the Mumbai Delhi. Delhi, correct. For the final. Those, those are the, the machinations as we speak. It's very convoluted, um, but I understand it's it's very popular with bookmakers apparently. I'm, I'm sure it is. So Royal Challenges Bangalore, Darren, or maybe even Toby. I don't know if, if Toby, if you had much to contribute on the Indian Premier League. And it's not, not necessarily your specialist subject, but... Who wants to talk through their um, much improved performance this year? Well, I think you know I did the preview of of, of RCB, and I did I did point out Padakal, uh, the young opener, the left-hander. He's been a, he's been a real find, you know, sort of hope, helping to anchor that sort of top of the order. And Virat Kohli and Davilias have been quite good. Where they've been a bit short is the, sort of the finishing. I think so far there's got the Chris Morris, Shivan Dubey. Sunder in there. They, none of them have really fired. You know, every now and again they'll score something, but I think that's definitely weakness as they go into the finals. Um, but I think their bowling has been pretty good. I mean, Chahal has been outstanding uh, again. Uh, Siraj has been a bit of an inspiration, and he, he's, he's found himself into the Indian national team now, hasn't he, for the tour to Australia. He's been quite good. Yeah, Mohammed um, Siraj. Yep. Yep. Udana continues to impress the Sri Lankan. Um, but yeah, they're a bit they're a bit light on bowling. Chris Morris is always, you know, he's kind of six or sticks. He does really well or really poorly. So I I think they're probably one of the weaker teams going into the last four. I would imagine. Morris has had a very good economy rate though, um, which is is worth pointing out six point six three, um, which is excellent. As you mentioned, the batting has 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 caught the eye. Virat Kohli scored four hundred and sixty runs without ever really looking particularly like informed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, even though. Even though he's, you know, he's piling up the runs, uh, Padukkal, as you mentioned, and of course we didn't talk about Ab de Villiers. I don't think who's, uh, who's had another tremendous season. Really, just he I mean, just continues to look like one of the best batsmen on the planet. Um, yeah, Washington Sunder, you mentioned him, right? He's done really well. Yeah, his uh, his economy rate is five point seven seven from forty eight overs. That's got to be the best, right? Yeah, he, he's one of the most solid performers. Uh, he's in the national squad, isn't he? Uh, I think he is. He is for the limited overs. Of course, um, and he should be. Yeah, yeah, he should be. Although, I hope he gets to play a bit more. Um, he's only in the T20 squad. I'll tell you who else is in the T20 squad. Sorry, we can do this right now, but Varun Chakravarti. Oh, he's great. He's been an inspiration. There. Yeah, he's done really well as well. He's had a really good tournament. All right, so those are two of the uh, the top four. Uh, and as we mentioned, the final two will be made up of Mumbai Indians and one other, which will either be uh, Sunrisers, Hyderabad, or KKR, uh, depending on the results of, of today's game. Mumbai Indians may rest players. So Sunrisers are feeling, I think, kind of bullish about their chance. 
Well, should we start with, should we talk about Mumbai Indians? Uh, I mean, they're not exactly what I would call a, a surprise package. No surprises at all, really, in that they, they're um, in the semifinals again. Uh, they have... Oh, God, the averages have all gone. <laughs> Are you getting the averages on Crick Info? They've all disappeared on my screen. Have they? Yeah. I mean, annoying. if you look at Mumbai Indians... They only have one player in the top 10 with most runs, which is Quinton de Kock, who's been in sensational form. And, and Wickets, obviously, Bumrah has made a great comeback. He was a bit slow to start the series, I think. He's been brilliant. But he's really come back strongly. And the other guy who's been amazing is um, Trent Bolt. He's taken a lot of wickets in the power play so far as well. So anyone they've... And also Rahul Chahar, too, has been great. So anyone they've brought in seems to fit into the culture quite well. And I think that's really important. Yeah, batting wise, they've missed they've missed Rohit Sharma, haven't they? Have they? Been, they seem not to have really. He's only played nine matches. But have they missed him? They seem to be doing okay without him. Yeah, they have managed, despite his absence, really well. Uh, two Indian batsmen who've done really well: Ishan Kishan and Surya Kumar Yadav. Yes, impressive. Each of whom have scored almost four hundred runs each. Uh, you mentioned Quinton de Kock. Hardik Pandya's back batting at least. He's not bowling, I don't think. Kieran Pollard is also Kieran Pollard uh, has also contributed, so they still look really powerful with the bat. Um, and don't know, it would take a brave man to bet against them. Yeah, they look pretty good, don't they? Even Hardik Pandya, you know, playing as a batsman, every time he gets a chance, he just looks like he's you know he's on fire, um, closing out the innings. So yeah, I mean, they're definitely the form team at the moment. Yeah, indeed. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the teams that have not performed as well as we might have expected. Bottom of the table is Rajasthan Royals. Who wants to discuss them? I don't know who did their preview. I think that was you, Turbs, but I'm not sure if you if you want... I have got no clue about what's going on <laughs> in Rajasthan. I mean, I, my my loyalties here lie with KKR. Um, I think I, they were my sort of dark horses for the title. Um, I see they had a, um, a big win yesterday. Um against Rajasthan, I think it was a, uh, a Pat Cummins storm, it was described as in the Hindustan Times. Um, and I think Pat Cummins has been one of their standout performers. It looks like he's really amongst the wickets uh, and a, a key player for them. Um, and last night, I think it meant that Rajasthan were eliminated from the competition with KKR going forward, still keeping my dream alive. Mm, yeah, no, they can still do it. I don't know if they will. but Yeah, if SRH loses, they're in. Yeah, Rajasthan Royal have been disappointing, haven't they? I mean, they've got a lot of firepower in their batting lineup. I mean, and for some reason, they keep persisting with Joss Butler at number five, which I just don't understand. Um, he bats at, he opens a batting in T20 for his country and for his, his other franchises. Why they put him at number five is just it's surprising. I think, you know, Stokes at the top has been hot and cold. He scored 100, but he's also been a bit hot and cold. And they've got Robin Utapper up the front as well. Uh, Sanju Samson is always very inconsistent. It looks like they've struggled to get their best to understand what their the best batting lineup is the whole season. Yeah, they they've used five opening combinations. Yeah, apparently. and it's just chopping and changing, right? As Ravi Shastri would say, um, and you know Archer has looked good. I think he, he's, he's been, been a saving saving he's grace. But yeah, they just look like they're not really sure what the best lineup is and who's batting where. And Steve Smith, to be honest, looks a bit cooked. He looks a bit like he's had enough. Oh, he, he's had a very average tournament. Steve Smith, yeah. Tom Curran yeah. as well. Hasn't 
pretty yeah, average. Rahul Tewatia, he had a remarkable innings. Yeah, he has. One knock. Um, he's been he's But been yeah, very inconsistent. All right, let's talk about CSK. <laughs> it was so bad, Shane Watson retired. It was so bad, yeah, Shane Watson retired and didn't even review his decision. Um, yeah, rooted to the bottom, uh, 12 points. They were knocked out quite early on as well, actually, that when they imploded against Mumbai Indians, uh, 30 for 6 they were, that one, one stage of that match. And it, was, it was terrible. And it was almost like everything that could go wrong went wrong for CSK. Uh, this, I think, was the year when... Um, they they just finally proved to be too old and too creaking um, to really get it done. They they suffered with a lot of uh, key players missing: Harbhajan Singh, uh, Suresh Raina, their big opening batsman Hope Rutraj Gaikwad uh, missed many matches because he contracted the coronavirus. That meant that they had to use a lot of their foreign spots on batsmen. Uh, which meant they couldn't play their uh, their foreign bowlers, particularly Ngidi and Imran Tahir. And so they were just hopelessly unbalanced for the whole tournament. Dhoni was, I don't know, is it too much to say he was a liability? I'm sure his captaincy was good, but they need a finisher. Uh, they need a whole, a, a whole revamp now, really, and... and It'll be interesting to see what they do next. They, you know, they have some good young players um, in uh, Sam Curran and in Guy Quad. Uh, they have Faf Duplessis, who had a very good tournament. You know, they've still got Ravindra Jadeja and Deepak Chahar, who both had good tournaments. But you know, Shane Watson is is going to go. Uh, they've got Murali Vijay, who was very forgettable. Kedar Jadav didn't do great. Piyush Chawla, a lot of as we as we know, a lot of old players. I actually think the move, for some reason, didn't help them. So maybe the end of an era at CSK. Kings Eleven Punjab. Anyone like to post mortem them? Yeah, I think I think interesting, weren't they? I mean, they had the, probably the best opening partnership in the whole uh, series with Mank Agarwal and KL Rahul. They were unbelievable at the top of the innings, uh, and they seemed to play better than their than the stats suggested. They they se- seemed like they were just on the wrong end of a few close games, especially early on. You know, they always looked there or thereabouts, but just that kind of one or two games. And I think KL Rahul was quite bitter about a short run that was called in one of the games where they would have won that game uh, otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, I thought they had a fairly good season. Uh, It was nothing to be, it wasn't nothing too terrible, but just couldn't really kind of get over the line there, really. Yeah. So really the one team we haven't talked about at all, I think, is Sunrisers. They've kind of been the quiet achievers, haven't they? They They... You know, they don't have a great bowling list except for, you know, uh, Rashid Khan. They have these sort of, you know, what you'd probably say normally is second tier tier bowlers, but they've all sort of done their part. And I think they understand their roles quite well in the team. And I think David Warner, you know, has really stepped his game up in the last couple of, ga- couple of games. You know, Kane Williamson hasn't done much yet. So you'd think in the final game, they're going to be quite a threat against Mumbai Indians because they're going to be hungry as hell to get into that top four. Yeah, I was looking at their team, and I did think they are—they—they're not exactly they don't exactly have a ton of star names. They've struggled with, well, they are struggling with injuries, I believe. Bhuvneshwar Kumar is out. Yes, um, Mitchell Vijay Marsh. Shankar, Mitchell Marsh is out, and Vijay Shankar is facing a late fitness test. Yeah, Holder has done quite well, I must say, since he's come in. Holder, who wasn't even bought at the auction, right? He's just come in and done well. Um, Manish Pandey has done well. 
for them. And Kane Williamson has batted at a, at a, at a good clip. And Edidamon Saha has, has, he's only played three matches, but he's he played a very important, yeah, he's played a very Have they dropped Johnny Besto? I couldn't he work it out. He played all the matches, yeah. I think, I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to play in the final match. It, c- it could be that he doesn't. But if you look at that bowling attack, it's, you know, it's uh, Rashid Khan, Sandeep Sharma, T. Natarajan. That's about it, really. I mean, J- Jason Holder as well. So I would be surprised if they do make it to the, the semifinals. I- I'd kind of be surprised to see them get any further. But but who knows? Who knows? Yes. All right. So, so that's the IPL. And uh, yeah, we, we will see. Um, who, all right, let's, let's, do, let's do picks then um, in terms of who we think will emerge as the winner. Darren. I think Delhi. I know you're going to say Mumbai Indians, but I'll go with Delhi. Okay. Toby? Well, I'm going to stick with, with uh, KKR, but I also picked Mumbai Indians as well, so I'm going to go with Mumbai <laughs> probably, but my heart says Kolkata. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mumbai Indians. I think, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, would, I would like, I'd really like to see RCB pull it off. Yeah, it would be good for the game. It would. Or even Delhi, to be honest with you. One of those franchises would be great. But I find it hard to see beyond Mumbai Indians. All right. So that's the IPL. Let's go to the West Indies, shall we? Toby, I think you have some news of developments regarding Marlon Samuels. Yes, the, the the strong trade winds are blowing interesting news from the Caribbean over to us here in Asia. Um, I mean, uh, let's go back to the beginning on this. Marlon Samuels is a uh, former, a now retired former um, batsman for the West Indies international team, and has won a uh, won a T Twenty World Cup with with the Windies. And he does have a reputation for, let's say, rubbing people up the wrong way. And I think if you go all the way back to a now infamous bat-throwing incident, I think at the MCG involving Shane Warne, um, when players were mic'd up, this sort of set the tone for a combative relationship that Marlon Samuels has with some of the top players in the game, and that's continued in the last week. Um, now involving Ben Stokes, um, but a little host of other players as well have been brought into this rather unseemly uh, incident, an angry row, but to, to sort of to, to kind of paraphrase really there's an ugly row between Samuels and Stokes I think Ben Stokes has been talking to his brother via text message about the experience of biosecure bubbles and whether he would wish that on even his worst enemy including Marlon Samuels and and, and actually he said he wouldn't wish it on Mr Samuels but Mr Samuels was drawn into that anyway and decided to uh, write a rather uh, coarse shall we say uh, Instagram post uh, I, I hesitate to to use the language in it as this is a family nah, show. No, nah, go for uh, it. Okay, he's, no, no white boy could diss me in the sports and no get back diss. Look at this expletive. Still thinking about me. 14 days with your wife. Turn her into Jamaican in 14 seconds, mate. None of you all knows me. That simple. Means it's my expletive, expletive superior skin tone. Y'all hate expletive you. That was posted, I think, last Tuesday. So, uh, obviously, a fairly coarse reaction. And Shane Warne 
inevitably brought into this. And this is a classic social media pylon. So um, Shane Warne, I think, said he'd got no friends and needs to seek help, uh, get some help, son, I think. And then Michael Vaughan, for some reason, was brought into it as well. And this was a wonderful little um, subplot, which I didn't realise. But Marlon Samuels actually launched a new fragrance called Sextillion in January. And basically, Michael Vaughan, yes... Uh, the sense of success or something, maybe the strap oh, on, I don't know. But um, six, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. I think Vaughan also basically said, this is not on and we're trying to move away from this kind of language. And that, that invited Marlon Samuels to have a go at uh, Michael Vaughan for not making as much money as he'd made from his Sextillion launch. So basically, it's been a it's been a busy old week on Instagram. He doesn't sound well, Marlon Samuels. I'm just no, reading. Don't you get drawn into it either, please. <laughs> yeah, let's get the ultras. We could use the uh, <laughs> we could use the hits. Um, <laughs> I've just been reading what Shane Warne has posted, and he said it's a very sad situation as he obviously needs serious help, but has no friends at all, and not even his ex teammates like him. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I mean, is are there people rushing to Marlon Samuels' support here, or his? or to take his side it doesn't sound like it right I, I never got the impression he was particularly beloved amongst his teammates either i think him and stokes have had beef for back to a, a test a test series when i think samuels was one of the original proponents of the sort of the salute send-off which i think uh stokes didn't enjoy and that seems to be the the genesis of their um falling out so it's it's one of a number of battles he's got on this week so uh, yeah i won't imagine how many likes he's got yeah and then he, but i think he, he expertly brought his sextillion uh fragrance into the conversation <laughs> so maybe maybe the whole thing started with that maybe there's a secret plot there that's it's all about sextillion so really you see this as a quite a successful influence some absolutely strategy yeah think, yeah think about the think, think about the awareness of sextillion right now it's flying off the yeah. shelves um there is a really <laughs> funny video actually on youtube which I, which I saw of him doing a promo wearing sunglasses and a dark suit on a TV show in, in the West Indies. looks quite cool. But the other funny thing I thought about this was I haven't seen this video and I tried to find it, but I was listening to another podcast on cricket. Yes, I do, sacrilege. And they were talking about the fact that in response, Marlon Samuels actually filmed himself watching YouTube videos of him smashing Shane Warne to the boundary in ODI games and was commenting on this on this video and he sent he sent it out and posted it but I, I can't find it he must have taken it down it's a bit sort of trump and obama isn't it there's clearly a visceral problem with he has with a couple of characters and just can't get him out of his head yeah yeah I, it's 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 more it's quite a few people isn't it now it seems like the triumvirate of warren stokes and samuels make of that what you will indeed all right well thanks for filling us in on that one tobes <laughs> let's head over to England, Toby, more for you. What's Jeffrey Boycott been Busy up reporting to? week. Busy, busy reporting week for me. I've been out there pressing the flesh and taking quotes. Yeah, it's Let's been go a to tough Yorkshire one. by way of, I don't know, Guernsey, south of France? Not entirely sure. But Jeffrey Boycott has been in the news, in the headlines. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, that's where he likes to be, isn't it? He's either at the crease occupying or he's occupying your mind in the headlines. He's 80 years old. Um, it's his birthday this week as well. And given Darren's thinking around marketing, it was interesting to read that Sir Jeffrey will actually be auctioning the cricket bat he used to score the 100th first-class century of his career, which Christie's 
estimate will fetch around £50,000, which is about US dollars And so I do wonder, no, this is stretched too far, but anyway, that is actually genuinely happening. But there's a, there's a slightly uh, more seedy tone to some of Sir Jeff's media outings in the last uh, 10 days or so, and in particular, a Daily Mail piece that, where he basically said that the BBC had chosen equality over quality when it dropped him for a younger multiracial lineup. I mean, uh, the, the fact is that poor old Isha Guha, who fronts BBC's coverage now um, across a number of platforms, you know, that's factually inaccurate. I think Alistair Cook took over uh, from, from Sir Jeff, but don't let that get in the way of a, a good story. And so I think the truth is that the BBC now have free-to-air cricket back on for the first time since 2020, so since uh, sorry, since 2005, so they now have free-to-air TV. They've won the live broadcasting for you know 21 matches every summer. That's men, women's, internationals, and the England and Wales uh, 2020 competition. So they kind of need to freshen things up. And you know, bless him at 80, it doesn't necessarily strike me as the freshest voice, but it does. It does feel like a number of more divisive or more older voices like David Gower, for example, is being phased out. And so I think Boyks is probably feeling a little bit aggrieved. Um, and he did one wonderful tweet, just a final point on this. I think the Cricketer magazine, I think on uh, late October, did one of these kind of tweets where it says, you know, tell us your favourite dot, dot, dot. If you could only listen to one commentator, past or present, call matches for the rest of your life, who would you choose and, and suggested me? exclamation mark so he still clearly wants to be back in the comms box bless him well i mean i don't know what to say really he's 80 years old some of his views are perhaps a little out of step with the modern world time to pull up stumps Mm, i think so i think so so very sad news from the world of cricket since our last show um the untimely death of dean jones at the age of just 59 in Mumbai, Darren Burns, tell us about a giant of Australian cricket. Yeah, he really was a giant of Australian cricket. I, I, I even say maybe world cricket. He, he was really, really a player that really kind of changed the way we think about one-day cricket. But before we get to that, you know, he was a really stylish middle-order player. He played 52 tests as well from 84 to 92, averaged about 47, um, won the Ashes, was also part of the Australian World Cup squad in 87, uh, he played 164 one-day internationals, averaging just under 45. Um, brilliant fielder. He was a brilliant and fielder. His running between the wickets was just sensational, yeah. as I remember. It was great. Um, and when I grew up as a, as a young fella in Australia, he definitely was a hero. When I remember watching him at the MCG or the SCG, and you know, the, every time he walked out to bat, there'd be just a sense of, imminent action, you know, a bit like Viv Richards walking out to bat. He, he had to brought this swagger out and he knew that whenever he was coming out to bat, the tempo was going to be upped. And, and he had some really great rivalries during, during, his, during his career. One of them I remember in particular, two things that really stand out. One is his Madras double hundred um, in 1986, where he batted for 500 minutes in Madras, which of course is now called Chennai where you're from, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But in 40-degree heat, 80% humidity, an open sewer running beside the ground, uh, I think he threw up between overs almost after, after every he, over uh, one session. <laughs> he threw up. He, it was involuntary urination. 
Um, he doesn't remember anything about it, apparently. And then, and then, of course, he ended up on a drip as well after being dismissed for, for 210. Yeah, so it still remains the highest ever score by an Australian in India. Um, wow. So that, okay, that's know that. quite legendary. He, we'll get onto his kind of detractors soon. Um, but there's another incident that stands out for me. I remember this in 1993. Curtly Ambrose was bowling to him in a one-day match in, in Australia. And Dino didn't like the fact that Curtly was wearing white wristbands. Um, and, you know, you're holding the white ball there and you've got white wristbands on. I, I kind of get why you might not like that. But Aldino was very cantankerous and he, he sort of inf- asked the umpire that he take those off, the wristbands, the wristbands off. And so Curtly took the wristbands off and proceeded to get five for about 11 runs and destroy the Australian uh, top order, five for 32 off his 10 overs. Um, and, take, you know, the, the captain at the time was Mark Taylor. And he said later on TV, yeah, I wasn't too happy with Dino today, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Not the smartest move. Dino was always this guy who was passionate about cricket, a super authentic guy, you'd have to say. You know, he, he was often quite abrasive and guileless. His batting was audacious, as was his fielding. You know, he's running between the wickets. He used to come out in sunglasses, which weren't popular then. But, but he was always this kind of abrasive guy that, that was not really liked by the establishment in Australia. Um, I think he was also turfed out of captaincy stints in county cricket in the UK as well. Um, he, he didn't really hold back. And I think he said what was on his mind. Is that why his career, because I always thought his test career in particular, even his one day career, yeah. wasn't quite as long as, as you would have thought it would have been really. When, so if you look at it, when he was dropped, when he started. yeah, exactly. When he was dropped in the early nineties, you know, he'd made 433 runs in his previous four tests, averaging 70, then he's dropped. So, you know, it, it tells you something about, you know, his ability to get along with his teammates, maybe in the coaching staff. But, he, but he's always been a bit of an outsider to it. I think he gave up his membership for at the MCG or the Victorian Cricket Club as well. He's always been the sort of outsider. He has had coaching stints in Afghanistan and Pakistan, but he hasn't really been that respected in Australia after, his, after he retired. Oh, really? And I think also there was a terrible incident in 2006 where he called, you know, Hashim Amla a terrorist on TV as a sort of joke for him taking a catch, he said something like it was caught by the terrorist. Um, and his apology later wasn't much of an apology. It was kind of, he said to Hashim, I didn't realize I was going to be on TV or everyone would hear that. Yeah, he thought it, he thought it was the, the mic was off or it was a break or something. Yeah, so <laughs> that's even worse. But, um, you know, Hashim Amla's response was amazing as always. And he said it was a great, it was a great chance to have a discussion about being a Muslim, which was great and bring understanding to it. But yeah, Dino, innovator, you know, authentic, brazen personality, uh, changed the game of one-day cricket as we know it. But um, yeah, probably didn't go you know, as far as he could have, but um, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that he wasn't as popular in Australia because he was, he was beloved in India. Um, that innings you mentioned, the 210 in the Tide Test, uh, I think really cemented his his place because it was in 1986 and I think back then you know it was before social media and before satellite tv I actually had um a few family members who were in at the ground that day and watched the innings and it was that that kind of era when when a player play you know scored a, a knock like that at the ground he would win over the whole city 
really. And that's kind of what happened with Dean Jones. And later on, when he became a commentator, he was very popular in India. Of course, he, he passed away in Mumbai. He spent a lot of time there, I think, in, in, whether it was commentary uh, or coaching. I thought I liked his, I liked the, on your point about his abrasive sort of nature, Darren, I did, I was reading it the week after he passed away that in that test in, in Chennai, um, he says he doesn't remember it, but I think he had a, an exchange with Alan Border. It said he was in the middle with him, who's a Queenslander who told him to, to Jones, who's a proud Victorian, if you can't continue, we'll get a Queenslander out here who can, which Jones replied, stick it up your ass, AB, which is, a kind of refreshing uh, response to authority for someone who's uh, relatively new to the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that was just his uh, his fifth test innings, should be remembered, in his third test. So quite impressive. To... He was actually awarded man of the match for that double hundred, but he actually insists that Greg Matthews, who took 10 wickets for Australia, should have been the man of the match. So he was, you know, he was, he, 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 he there was some humbleness to him. I think he called it how he saw it. Yeah, Dean exactly. Jones. Yeah, and, and he didn't really care for the consequences. He didn't. And you know, that costs people, doesn't it, often? You know, I, I played with him in Shanghai. He came up to the Shanghai Sixers one year in the early 2000s. He was, he was quite a difficult guy to talk to, um, very arrogant. <laughs> he would call everyone champ, which is kind of a way of belittling you. You say, oh, good day, champ, how are you? So um, that's always a, a sort of what an uncle says to sort of, you know, play you down or, or, or sort of... Make make you feel small. So, yeah, very arrogant, strong willed, but an interesting character for sure. Really, I didn't. It, I had no idea that he was not. I thought he might be quite pleasant uh, in a, in, a, in this kind of an in, invitational tournament setting. No. How did he play? Did you bowl against him? I didn't get a chance to bowl against him, but he. Um, I think he he ran out a guy that was on his team because you, you could actually bid in an auction, a charity auction, to have the, the star players in your team, and he was in another team, and he opened with another guy and. <laughs> The, he ran the other guy out. Uh, ran him out. <laughs> coming back for two. Uh, so, so he could bat. And the guy got upset and he said, mate, they've come here to watch me, not you. Bugger off. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> come on, that's fair, I think. That's all right. Yeah. Anyway, Dean Jones, um, rest in peace. Okay, so our final order of business, I believe, is just to touch upon India's upcoming tour to Australia. Um, so we have three squads India have announced. As usual, there is some intrigue and some skullduggery, in particular the absence of Rohit Sharma. So both both the Sharma boys, Rohit Sharma and Ishant Sharma, are out um, of the tour with injury. Ishant Sharma, uh, I, don't, I don't think will come back. He is, he is seriously injured. Rohit Sharma, no one seems to know if he's injured or not. Uh, there's reports that he's been batting in the nets. Fine. Um, I think we've talked before about the BCCI's approach to uh, communicating injuries of its players. I don't think I would describe it as a full commitment to transparency. Um, and so the public is none the wiser. So that, of course, the impact of that is, as always, tongues are wagging about why Rohit Sharma might be missing out. Some people are suggesting it's because he's demonstrated himself to potentially be a better captain uh, in the limited overs format than than some other Indian controversy. <laughs> some some other Indian captains, and there can only be one king. But who knows? I'm surprised Rohit Sharma is out, even if he's injured, even if he's only going to play one or two matches. I think he should be on that plane. Um, BCCI have said that they will. 
fly him out if he gets fit, but, you know, he'll have to go through quarantine and all that stuff. Um, so it's, it's a very strange state of affairs. Anyway, in terms of the actual selections, I wouldn't say there's any major surprises. Probably the biggest one, um, Rishabh Pant uh, has been dropped from the one-day squad, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not really a surprise, I don't think. It's not. He's in the test squad. KL Rahul is vice-captain for both the ODI and T20 squads. There's some new selections in the test squad, particularly Mohamed Siraj. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty much as you would expect. There's really, um, you know, Shubman Gill and Prithvi Shaw uh, keep their places. Mayank Agarwal is there. Then it's kind of the old guard, all the names you would expect in the team. Uh, in the one-day squads... Similarly, I mean, Hardik Pandya's back. Whether he, he will bowl is another thing. Shreyas Iyer is there as well. Um, Shadul Thakur has made it. The T20 squad is really where you see the most change, I think, with Varun Chakravarti coming in, Deepak Chahar, Washington Sundar, Sanju Samson, Shreyas Iyer, Manish Pandi. But I think a pretty solid uh, solid team. They'll miss Rohit Sharma in the, in the limited overs squads for sure. Um, but they look in... in you know, they look like they have reasonable aspirations of a of a good showing in Australia. Yeah, so, uh, they'll be they'll be up against an Australian team that's going to be playing the next Ricky Ponting, Darren. They might be playing the next Ricky Ponting. Before we get to that, who's going to open the batting? Will they put obviously Agarwal is a lock, right, to open the batting with a big Gill or for will the it be Prithvi Shaw? Yeah, for the test team. I think they have to stick with um, who are you know the incumbent. Which which is Maya Gagawal. Yes, he's going to be there, but who else? Oh, so to partner him, it'll well, I guess it will either be Prithvi Shaw or Shubman Gill. Exactly. So what do you, uh, what are you I would thinking? expect Prithvi Shaw. I would expect I, I've been Shaw. very impressed with Shubman Gill. Uh mm, in, in the IPL. He looks great. He's got all the shots. I think they're both they're both really good. I just think Prithvi Shaw has more experience of international cricket. Prithvi Shaw looks erratic at the moment to me. A little bit, and he's he's had so many weird He's missed so many matches for weird reasons. Yeah, exactly. You know, we talked about the cough syrup ban, and then he had uh, some other like some weird injuries, and I don't, I don't know. He's yeah. We just need to get him out in the field. I feel, but he is a bit erratic. His form has fluctuated. Yeah, Mohammad Siraj has been sensational for the India A team. I didn't know that he, he he's really picked up a few fifers against New Zealand and Australia over the last year or two. So he's he's obviously been primed and ready to go. Yeah, I'm. I have my reservations. I often do, though, when when Indian pace bowlers break into the team. Well, it's Shami and Bumrah locks, right? Shami, Bumrah, and then you have Umesh Yadav. Uh, well, Shami, Bumrah, Umesh Yadav are the, will be the three first choice pace bowlers. I think Navdeep Saini as well is probably ahead of Siraj, um, but it will depend on conditions. One thing I think this team will do is if. If the, they feel the pitch is the right one, they may well unleash Siraj. Unleash the uh, beast. Because he's, yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always a little wary, especially on a tour of Australia. Exactly. It's no place for the faint of heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those huge boundaries. Where are, these, where are these games being played, by the way? Where's the bubble in Australia? They're playing it at all the grounds. So all the ODIs will be at Sydney. Uh, sorry, the first two in Sydney, the third at Canberra, 
uh, the T20s too at Canberra and Sydney. So there's going to be a Sydney-Canberra bubble for all the white ball cricket. And then I think for the test matches that go around the grounds, the Adelaide, Melbourne, Perth and Brisbane, Vegas, I think. India have requested a psychologist and a motivational trainer to better handle the challenges of living in a bio-bubble. I think we could all do with that. Maybe they got to get Steve Smith's coach that he had during that whole meltdown after Newlands. Yeah, why not? He said it did, did him really well. Sorry, the test match... Well, Samuels is quite motivated right now. He might be available. I don't see why anyone would need a motivational trainer. Is it Jeffrey Boycott? <laughs> Marlon Samuels. Why is this required when Ravi Shastri is your coach? Exactly. Is it- I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Ravi Shastri has come out... He actually gave an interview yesterday. I don't know if you, you guys caught it. Um, and I, I was really disappointed because it's, it might be the first time I've read a Ravi Shastri interview where he didn't really say anything particularly controversial. The only thing, he, he spent most of the time talking about Rohit Sharma's injury and he said um, he mustn't rush back. I did that in 1991 in Australia and it ended my career and I still had five or six years left to play. Uh, and I was greedy, which is okay, fine. Um, he has talked about... the So the big question mark, actually, uh, is the exclusion of Surya Kumar Yadav. We talked about him. He's been the Mumbai Indian star batsman for the last two years. Really looks like a bright talent. And Shastri has responded to his exclusion by saying uh, he needs to be patient and there are three, four others on the fringe. What, ahead of him? That seems hard to believe. Anyway. Yeah. See, this is, I think, a little bit of a problem with the Indian team at the moment. We saw this happen with Shreyas Ayer, with others, in that these players do well, but then they don't get a chance for like a couple of years. By which point, I don't know if it's too late, but you sort of want them in when when they're really riding high, I feel. Absolutely. So, and with that in mind, Darren, will Cameron Green... Uh, be donning the baggy green this summer. What rhymes? You're a poet and didn't I know, know it. I know, it does. Yeah, Cameron Green, baggy green. He's got it all. Ricky Ponting comparisons. It. And he's tall, he's blonde. Uh, he bowls a bit of medium pace. Yeah, he's, he's Cameron Green has been talked about as kind of one of the next prodigies in Australian cricket. Uh, 21 years old, he burst onto the scene last season, scores hundreds for fun. So he's in the squad and they're about the squad. Weirdly, they've got him in the T20 and ODI squad, which doesn't make any sense. I think they're just trying to get him around the players so they get used to him and he gets used to them and they sort of blood him into the team. The other young guy who might get a chance too is Will Pukowski, who's kind of an also a prodigy, 22-year-old, been had mental health issues. So he's been in and around the Australian squad for a couple of years now, but he might be given a chance this summer. Uh, he seems to be in very good form. Uh, and also in, in the right place in his head as well. So those two could be quite exciting. But again, facing against Bumrah and Shami in Test Match Cricket is a bit different from playing guys in state cricket. Yep. Um, I mean, did you know much about this Cameron Green character? I must guess yeah. I'd never heard of him until I saw uh, someone... Was it Greg Chappell who said he was the next uh, Ricky Ponting? Yeah, I think it was. exactly. Um, Greg Chappell. Which is, which is high praise. I mean, high praise. Sorry, is too much pressure, do you, do you feel? Uh, there's always pressure when young young guys come on the scene, isn't there? And they get these sort of plaudits. Uh, he seems pretty evenly tempered and let, let's see how he goes. And he sort of plays down his chances of playing for Australia as well, which which is good. So I, I think he'll just keep on doing what he does. I mean, it's always that step up to the next level, isn't it? To see how they respond to test cricket. And I think 
with the Australian squad at the moment. I think they want to start blooding some of these younger players in their early 20s and getting him into the squad. Uh, so I, I think we'll see a few debuts this summer. Well, that's good to hear, actually. I mean, I would imagine there are spots that can open up in that batting lineup. Yeah, there, there definitely is. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Matthew Wade, but he's, he's done whatever's been asked of him. Uh, and Travis Head as well in that, in that lineup. So, you know, I think there might, there might be a chance for them to play in the test matches, but they might go to their tried and true players as well. But I think it'll be a crackerjack series. I think the white ball in the test match series in Australia would be great. It's going to be a great uh, close and hard fought test series like it was last time. I hope so. I think we all need it. <laughs> it would be great to see some some. But well, India certainly have certainly have the cricket. players, and they'd be feeling confident after last time's thrashing of Australia. I think so. I think the bowlers in particular, Shami and and Bumrah, had such great tours last time. I think they love bowling on those wickets. They did, and they'll be feeling. And what about Pujara? Yeah, Pujara. I just, I just feel they they won't feel like they have anything to fear this exactly. time. Exactly. A lot will depend on on Pujara and Kohli, because I think, you know, even though Agarwal played well, he hasn't played a lot, and uh, outside India in particular, he hasn't played a lot, and there are question marks about the top of the Indian order. Yes, for sure. All right, I think that brings us to a close then. Awesome. For this week's cricket, or this week's, this month's <laughs> cricket archers. This year's, this quarter. This quarter's. <laughs> <laughs> Quarterly results. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> We'll try and do the next one sooner uh, because we have the IPL will come to a conclusion, I guess, in the next two weeks. Yes. Um, so we Correct. can probably summarize all that and maybe catch up with Marlon Gate, the next installment. Mm. Thank you, Darren and Toby. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>